Welcome to Tell Me How, an infrastructure podcast from the World Bank. In the mid-20th century, the Jew Valley in Romania, being the source of hard coal and power for the country, was chosen as a location for industrialization. It's a beautiful valley with six towns and surrounded by mountains. Along the valley were multiple coal mines and processing facilities. And in 1997, of its 170,000 residents, over half of the population worked in the coal mines or in related industries. Yet today, the Jew Valley looks very different. Let's find out why and how. Good morning. I am Rumin Islam, the host of Tell Me How, and today I welcome Christopher Sheldon, energy and mining expert, to talk about just transitions in the energy sector. Welcome, Christopher. Hello, Rumin. It's great to be here. I'm quite passionate about this subject, so I'm really looking forward to our discussion today. It's very nice to have you here, Christopher, for our first episode. And my first question to you is, what is this initiative, Just Transitions, about? It's about an energy transition. As the world moves from a more uh, carbon-intensive to a lower-carbon energy future, then we support a transition that's done efficiently and, and justly. In, in particular, what we're supporting is the energy transition in the coal mining regions and one that's going to really consider and take care of the local economy, of the impacted workers, the communities, and also the environment. But where does the adjective just come from? Why is it in the title? It's about fairness. A just transition is a fair one that takes care of the people and supports them through what's often a quite difficult process. It's about people, ultimately about people and about fairness. You mentioned three distinct aspects of mine closure there, the economic aspects, including that of the local economy, the social aspects, and the environmental aspects. So we're going to discuss all three. But shall we start with the economic aspects first? What are the issues? Yes, now that, that's a good place to start because the low-carbon forms of energy that are coming in, they're, they're displacing coal in many regions as they become much more affordable. Now, it, it does differ around the world, but in Eastern Europe and the Balkans, for example, we're finding that for every megawatt of power, there's a subsidy to coal of around about five euros. Um, governments can't afford to be providing those sorts of subsidies. Um, so there needs to be a transition where that money can be put to better uses. And for one example, in a country we looked at, just one year's worth of subsidies would actually pay for the cost of just transition of those coal mines and power plants. That's a lot of money. That's a rather hefty subsidy. But that's still at the macro level. What are the implications of closure at the local level, say the level of the town or the district? That's a very good question because many of these coal regions in transition, they're mono-industrial towns. So closing the coal mines and the power plants, it can have a devastating impact on that whole e economy in that area. Uh, the sector's often the most important employer. Um, you know, you, you talked about uh, Romania and the, and the Jew Valley, um, you know, half of the workers working in the sector. But we, we just did a study in Greece's Western Macedonia, and we found not only were they the largest formal employer, but they actually accounted for 50% of value added in the region. So you can imagine if those mines and power plants are closed, output drops. And if there's no good alternative identified, then it's going to have pretty serious economic uh, consequences. Can there really be alternative economic opportunities for these regions that 
have been dedicated to to one activity for so long? I wonder. The short answer is yes, but it's certainly difficult and comes at a substantial cost. Takes a long time to implement. Um, just going back to the example I gave about Western Macedonia, when we looked at that region, one of the first things we did is to look at these economic alternatives. We found several, you know, good economic alternatives in the region. Uh, one of them was actually to retain that energy-producing character of the region by adopting cleaner and uh, more uh, fiscally sustainable energy production to replace the coal-fired power that was going to be closed. So you mean that the assets of the coal mine itself could be used for alternative energy production? Absolutely. I mean, you can imagine, you know, in some of these areas, and it's not just in this particular area, there's a lot of land, abundant land, that it can be used for solar power. You've got uh, old mine dams and pits that you could use to create pump storage with that solar power. And you can also convert existing power plants, um, for example, into natural gas, which would, you know, have lower carbon emissions than the coal. So we're going to uh, talk about land a bit later on in the podcast, but perhaps we should go back to Romania, the story we started with. Could you tell me what happened then? What were some of the alternatives that were identified in Romania? Well, we worked in Romania from around 1999 to 2011, and I, and I worked there for quite a number of years, years myself. And we supported the government on closing uneconomic mines across the whole country. The hard coal center was the Jew Valley that you mentioned earlier. And you know, when we looked at that valley, we, we had to try to help them identify other alternatives. Nowadays, they're looking at reinventing themselves with new investment um, in skiing and tourism. Uh, at that time, I remember uh, one of the old mines being converted into a logging facility, um, another mine, which is closer to the city, taking the old mine buildings and breaking them into smaller workspace centers to support small and medium enterprises that were being created. Outside of the Valley, I remember another mine in Romania being turned into a, um, a factory for fiber optic cabling and others just returned back to agricultural uses. So it seems like there are just so many choices but from 1991 to 2011, that's, that's 12 years. And new businesses take time to develop and workers are left without jobs in the transition. How does the government handle these social dimensions? Yeah, that's really the most central question. And there's more than one set of people affected. Obviously, there's the workers. They're directly impacted by closure. But there's also other community members in the region that get affected. The workers typically receive either early retirement if they're close to retirement or um, packages to, um, to support them for retraining or developing new skills for new jobs. Uh, some even start new business ventures. In fact, in Romania, after doing a number of these different um, programs, we found that 60% of the workers who wanted to stay in the workforce actually found a job of equal or higher pay than when they were mining. So for these people that found jobs, for many of them, they got more pay. That's very good. Higher pay is always good. But I wonder, are these types of direct support to workers enough for the region? No, and that's a really good question you ask. And we, we did learn that the hard way there. So while initially we focused on the workers, we found that it was important to expand beyond that, to really go to their families, extended families, even the wider community. Because if, if our goal is to help maintain incomes, not only in the household, but that community in that region, then if you support the, the wider community, 
they might even employ miners. So a miner may not start a new business, but someone else might start a business that can employ that miner. And through doing that, you can bring in you know, economic transformation into that economy. Yes, I'm glad we're talking about that because you did say that only 60% of workers who stayed in the workforce had a job paying equal or better. So there are others who didn't stay. And then there are others who didn't get as much pay. So what you just said is very important and an important new insight that the assistance should not just be targeted to the minor, but to the wider community if we want to maintain incomes in, in the local community. Is that right, Christopher? That's right. Yeah, that, that's exactly the point. That was a good lesson learned and something that will apply to all of our future work in this sector. And this is not something that countries have automatically done in response to, to restructuring. When we're speaking of the wider community, could you talk a bit about the types of issues that you've dealt with? Were there, for example, gender-specific issues that we need to, to look out for? I know coal miners are mostly men, but how are women's employment affected? No, this is a really important point, and um, unfortunately, it's often overlooked. I'll take an example of Poland, where we work. Uh, when we were designing the uh, packages to support the workers when the mines were closed, almost all, or actually all of the underground mine workers were men. But when you look at the surface workers, administrative workers, many of them were women. So it was very important that the, the government provided financial support not only to men, but also to women, so that when a mine closed, you know, everybody was able to receive the right kind of support on ending employment. We should move on to environmental considerations associated with closing a coal mine. I assume there are quite a few of these. Could you perhaps take us through some of them? Yeah, there's a lot. So, you know, you can just imagine a, uh, a mining area, you've got a lot of buildings, you've got big shafts, lots of heavy equipment. So, so when you close a mine, you've got to ensure that all those unwanted buildings and equipment, that they're all removed, that the impacted land is cleaned up and rehabilitated, that the site's secure, that it's safe, and particularly in coal mining, that any methane issues are addressed. I mean, I've literally seen, you know, whole mining areas, you know, transformed into recreational areas, really turning something ugly into something beautiful. Yes, that's a nice vision. But uh, could you go into the methane issues a bit more? Methane is almost 30 times worse as the greenhouse gas than is carbon dioxide. And I understand that methane is trapped in between coal layers. So what happens when you close off the mine? Does this all escape? If a mine's not properly closed and sealed, then that methane, it, it can escape through cracks or vents um, into the atmosphere. And we have to avoid that. So you can address that through proper sealing of the mine shafts, um, or in some cases, actually natural flooding will, will, will seal it naturally. But in particularly gassy mines, methane can actually be captured and used. And you, you just have to stop it being vented um, up into the atmosphere. In some cases, it is actually burned before it goes to avoid that. But the ultimate thing is to stop methane just simply escaping because of the environmental impact. Well, I promised that we would go back to land issues. So why don't we do that now? This is an important uh, area because land is linked to all three aspects of coal mine closure, whether it be the economic, the social or the environmental. How do you determine potential land uses? So during our recent work in Greece, we actually developed a, a tool, a land utilization 
repurposing application, we call it Lura, that looked at factors like the location, the topography, the presence of water, et cetera, and then categorized that land as whether it was best suited for agriculture or for industry, for forestry or, or some other uses. So using the tool, along with consultation with the community, I have to stress is very important, you can actually develop some optimal so- solutions for the post-mining lands rather than just leaving it up to guesswork. But this sounds like like an amazing tool, actually. Has this tool been used often? I mean, how do people find out more about it? It's been used by us on a, on a pilot basis in a couple of client countries. So when we engage with a client, with a government, with a mining uh, area, we, we work with them, explain the tool, and then help them use it and link it to all of their own data systems so it's something they can own and manage themselves. So it's not something that I could get just by clicking on a link somewhere. No, it's something that we work with the clients to use and um, and and help them to to um, apply to their own specific circumstances through our projects with our client countries. Okay, so let's go back a bit to and look at the whole process. How long does this just transition process take? It's very complex, so it cannot be done. Fast. It's complex and it does take a long time, but I think it's important to sort of break it down into to bite-sized stages. So the very first uh, stage that we identify, we call it pre-closure. So that's a lot of early planning, preparedness, a lot of consultation with a diverse group of stakeholders. That's more of a 12 to 18 month type process. Then secondly, you have that closure of the mine or the, the coal plant safely and justly. That's a two to three year process. And then lastly, the regional transition with the programs and projects that really support that over a longer period of time after the mine and the power plant are closed. That's something that takes five or more years. I think it's very helpful that you broke it down into three parts, but it just highlights even more how many aspects there are to closing a mine justly. And I wonder how all these arms of the process are implemented, who leads such a process and who's involved. This Governance of the process is actually one of the most important questions and where we provide a lot of support. So it doesn't succeed if it's all top-down from central government, nor does it really work totally bottom-up without that high-level support. So you need a clear governance structure that involves all of the stakeholders. That's absolutely critical for success. So the overall responsibility is usually with the national government, but the mine, the local community, the local and regional leaders, they've all got to be involved to guide that process. The national government often sets policy and provides a lot of financial support, but everybody has to work together to make this successful. Christopher, in countries where we have done, the World Bank Group has been involved in restructuring sectors, big sectors, or even economies. We've sometimes advised our clients to create a separate organization that's dedicated to the task at hand that focuses only on that particular task. Would you recommend that? Well, it does depend, but we think a special purpose entity by government can be a very effective way to help coordinate the actions of these different stakeholders and actually manage a complex process like this. They can, for example, uh, manage the labor transition, you know, packages to the workers, the training that I talked about earlier. They can also facilitate uh, pre-permitting for environmental assessments so that potential new investments can come in and there's already a bit of a baseline on the environment. They can even liaise with those investors and potentially even uh, help you know, facilitate financing to those investments. So a special purpose entity can really be pretty effective. So in some cases, you would recommend that? Yes. Yeah, it depends on the scale and the complexity, but it can actually work quite well in these more complex situations. And the approach taken here 
is not just about closing mines, but about restructuring the local economy in response to economic and technological changes. So in that sense, it's applicable to other sectors. So what do you think are the lessons for non-coal industries, non-coal sectors? You're very right. This thing is quite applicable. I mean, coal mines have some very specific environmental considerations, but these general lessons that we talked about, um, you know, dependent on a single economic activity, uh, the the need for government and the other stakeholders to work together, having a plan for the longer term and looking at the, the costs associated with that, um, looking at alternative economic activity, all those things are applicable in the non-coal sector. So we think there's a lot of lessons here that can be applied elsewhere. Thank you, Christopher. That's good to know. Is there anything else you would like to say before we end? You've already told us uh, a lot. We've learned a lot. But is there anything else you'd like to say? Well, thank you for the opportunity, first of all. But I, I think the last thing is that even though I've said this is a difficult process, I, I just do want to leave a message that there is hope. Uh, while it's difficult, I, we really do believe with that proper planning, just transition can be achieved. I like to end with hope. Thank you, Christopher. It was very nice having you here. Thank you, Ramin. It's a real pleasure. I hope, listeners, you learned something because I learned many things. And what really stuck in my mind are these things. One, when local economies are disrupted, as with coal mine closure, it is good policy to help miners make the transition. But it's also important to consider the opportunities for other potential income earners in the community. Two, Mining assets can and have been put to alternative, economically viable uses. And three, with the right policies, one can limit damage to the environment. So let me end here with those thoughts. Till next time when we discuss how countries are going about reducing the digital divide. You can find more information about the Tell Me How podcast on our website. If you've got questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at tellmehow at worldbank.org. You can also find the Tell Me How podcast on all popular podcasting platforms. This episode was recorded in March 2021. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and thanks for listening. See you in two weeks.